Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And And you're you're about about to get get jumped. Welcome to episode 118 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Soul Eater episodes 45 through 47, where Mako will slash the evil right out of you, the demon zebra deer is just a human girl, and Lord Death turns an entire city into a giant mech. Yeah, so when in doubt, if you are trapped inside of a city, you should always just turn your city into a giant mech. Um, I learned this originally from, uh, from I think it was uh, one of the Gundam shows, where they just turned a boat into a ship, um, and then into a mech, and they also then turned a, a fire engine into a mech, and... Um, at one point, there was a frog that turned into a mech. Wait, am I getting this mixed up with Transformers? Definitely. They're more than meets the eye. Anyway, let's jump in. You're like, you're like, if you ever find yourself trapped in a city, and I was like, as. You know, for example, we all are currently. (laughs) (laughs) This is the problem. This is how Mortal Engines gets started. uh, Do you remember that movie? And also, I guess, there's a book series about it. I think the movie movie did so poorly that I thought it was coming out several months after it had already left theaters. Yeah, for real. I I legitimately haven't haven't watched, you know, that movie. And I I don't care to watch it. I've heard that the book series is supposed to be a pretty fun world building and is yeah. like worth checking out. I haven't gotten around to it, but it's supposed to be good. But yeah, the movie, uh, if you don't know it, it's about uh, giant cities that have been turned in, or basically cities have been turned into giant vehicles. And so there's like huge, huge, like multi-story city-wide vehicles rolling around a, a giant landscape uh, on wheels and it is absurd but somehow intriguing and definitely kind of exactly this yeah absolutely well anyways pre-show news uh, this i did not realize is our second to last episode about soul eater we only that's have four true episodes left yeah, we also we we're coming up to some 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 things. Uh, so number one, uh, as Blake mentioned, we're almost out of Soul Eater, so voting is going to be opening up soon for the next show that we're going to be covering. So if you're super super into that, uh, we want to hear from you. We'll we will be putting out um the uh the voting um before the last episode of soul Eater drops that's usually how we do it is that we um we'll put it out the week before and then drop the episode and then you will have up until we um need to record the the new show to vote on it yeah you basically um, so you have get four weeks to vote and then we will make our we will take those votes and make our plan one week before the sh- the new show's first episode comes out yeah, uh, Blake has su- some suggestions. Um, <laughs> yeah, I pulled. So, the, I decided to focus on just one specific streaming service, and we've got a, a running list of um, shows. And so I just pulled the first four that appear on that streaming service and wrote yeah. them in a line. And there, uh, if I were picking shows that I were the most interested in covering, maybe only one of them would be on my list. But these were the first four, and I uh, 
I tend to like to take decision out of things. So that's how I did that. <laughs> yep. Um, so uh, a, a couple of ones that I am super interested in and I definitely want to watch again. Um, just just throwing it out there. I, I want to watch Outlaw Star again. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, know what that's on happen, though. But I, but I, I definitely want to watch it. I, well, I, I do too, but I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's legally available. Look, I can tell you what I want. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know what you know what else is out there that we can definitely watch, which is something else I've been dying to rewatch Trigun because oh, I would yeah, love I'm to watch Trigun right again. Oh my god, Trigun's so good. Um, you also mentioned on there a couple of, uh, uh, American shows, which might be a little bit weird inside of our premise, but, uh, possibly, yeah, uh, I haven't watched Dragon one Prince of them. and I Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. Um, I, I would be, I would be more interested to do Avatar mostly because after watching, uh, Dragon Prince, it is, it is a far, it is a far stretch for from anime in comparison yeah uh, i haven't one. seen it so it's hard for me to contextualize it i mean it's done yeah. in a similar style to avatar which is done in an anime style mm-hmm. uh, it so. has a it has a lot of elements that are more kid centric it feels like than avatar did avatar has some real dark moments um uh and i'm sure dragon prince has their share of dark moments um but i think that like the cgi of it all just makes me feel like it's a, a little bit less intense but that might just be me you know writing over it with my bias against cgi yeah you do have a a relatively strong bias against cgi but again i haven't watched it so i don't know if it's your bias or not okay other things coming soon uh so we are going to be recording uh the first episode of naruto shippuden uh as the next thing that we're going to be recording with that being said uh blake and i uh wanted to announce uh that it will be the start of season two of Blake and Spencer Good Shift. I know we're like super, super far in, uh, yeah, but uh, we we, we have... decided that we wanted to do like a, a little bit of a soft relaunch. Uh, so uh, putting out putting out new stuff for the podcast. Uh, those those you will be uh, surprised with the the week of. Um, we are are putting are putting more effort into the show. Um, as well as uh, putting out some some additional things for you to see and hear, um, so get excited about that, I guess. Um, and then, uh, well, it's it's really interesting to know that when you start putting out a, a second season of a podcast, there is a um, uh, an additional uh, uh, time that you are going to be put inside of new and noteworthy inside of the the uh apple podcasts section so with that being said uh we always need reviews um the easiest way for us to chart and get more listeners is to get more reviews so if you haven't had a chance to do that we would love to have you step in and leave a review on apple podcast um or any other podcast source that you have um we we've had some really lovely ones so far um but we are always always hoping to have more cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's we're probably really technically in our third season if you want to like put seasons in a way that makes sense because you're a season huh 
Euro season. <laughs> because we do year-end specials uh, and a 143-episode random middle cutoff <laughs> section is a little weird. But, you know, that's what's happening, so... <laughs> Look, things have things have things have have progressed. Anyways, um, <laughs> with that all being said, I don't have anything before we begin. Do you have anything else? I really don't. I wish I did because I feel like these episodes are a little light. Yeah, but I don't. So you know, I'm, that's what it is. It's okay. Um, anyways, so uh, we are going to be jumping back into Soul Eater. Um, so with that being said, Blake, tell us what happened previously. Well. Uh, Soul Eater is a show that centers around a school called the DWMA, which is a school that trains this universe's kind of focal characters. They are weapons and meisters. So weapons are people who can literally turn their bodies into weapons. Not like, not like somebody who's got like a black belt and his hands are like weapons, but like a person <laughs> who can turn their body into a sword. And... Uh, so these weapons are wielded by Meisters, which are just weapon users. But uh, in this universe, there's also, you know, as in many shonen anime, there is a sort of magic system. And in this, there's a, like a soul resonance. So you can, uh, you you basically have to get in sync with your weapon or your Meister so that you can work together effectively. And your ability to fight is kind of based on that. So they, they have to train at this school, which is kind of like Hogwarts um uh, where they're immersed in this combat training and learning how to work together and to be the super best um the dwma uh turns out was also built upon a prison for an ancient evil this is a person named asura who is kind of not a person anymore turned themselves into a demon by doing some really fucked up stuff in the past Asura is uh, kind of an avatar of insanity, if you will. Uh, His presence causes people to go insane. He was locked up in a bag of his own skin underneath the underground of the city in which the DWMA is. Uh, But he was released by a witch, and now he has gone to join, uh, kind of tacitly join an organization called Arachnophobia, which is run by a witch named Arachne, who has a spider theme. Um... Asura's resurrection has caused the world to start to go into chaos because his presence spreads madness throughout the air. And uh, the people that are more susceptible, kind of more mentally or emotionally unstable, are going to crack first. But eventually everybody will be completely insane and will basically be rioting and doing all kinds of stuff that causes society to crumble. So the heroes of the DWMA would like to stop that. Our main hero is a girl named Maka. She's the meister for a kid named Sol who can turn himself into a big-ass scythe. Uh, Maka and Sol are currently on a side mission to get back a person who has become their friend. That person is named Krona. Krona has a really unique weapon, which is that uh, their weapon is not a person who turns themselves into a weapon, but is rather a sort of uh, supernatural entity that uh, is in the form of black blood that courses through Krona's body. That weapon is called Ragnarok. Krona grew up with an abusive mother, a witch named Medusa. Medusa is one of the main villains of the story and has uh, manipulated Krona into doing some bad stuff. Krona has gone to uh, get Medusa 
uh, and uh, probably to kill Medusa in a sort of revenge slash um, redemption in the eyes of the heroes move. Um, Medusa, meanwhile, has tempted one of the good guys, a professor named Stein, who is uh, particularly good at resonating with anyone. So his power is very high and he is really important. She has uh, caused him to come to her side because, unfortunately, as a strong guy, he is also a little mentally frazzled and he has cracked early and uh, has joined Medusa on the bad guy's side. Um, there is somebody close to him named Marie Mjolnir, who is another professor, essentially. She's something called a death scythe, which is what a weapon can become when they meet a certain threshold and become super, super powerful. Um, she has a little bit of resentment and mistrust for Krona because of what Krona did, but has gone to get Stein back and to help fight Medusa in the process. And they have formed a kind of unlikely pair. They started fighting Medusa and Stein last episode. Um, Stein is so far gone that he's fighting against his former friends and doesn't really realize what he's doing. And he's super strong. So that's no, no bueno. Um, meanwhile, uh, Medusa is fighting against Krona and is pretty much curb stopping Krona. And then Mad Maka and Sol show up and stop a blow. Uh, that's where we're going to pick up. But there's a few other things you need to know. Uh, one is that the best character in the show is named Blackstar. Blackstar is a young assassin ninja who is so up his own ass that he can't help but scream it from the rooftops even when he's on an assassination mission. It's funny. He's charming. We love him. Blackstar's weapon is a girl named Subaki who has the unique ability to turn herself into a series of weapons instead of just one. Uh, all of those weapons have a ninja theme, and one of those in particular is like a demonic sword that he gained the ability to use some time ago in the, in the show. It is difficult to use and takes quite a toll on him, and that will come out uh, this episode. There's another swordsman that he has clashed with a few times named Mifune the Samurai. Mifune is working for the villains, but that's because he wants to protect a young witch. He is actually a pretty decent dude, but his kind of honor code has him protecting her because he made a promise. And she is uh, maybe going to be hurt by the villains if he doesn't work for them, so he works for them. They've clashed a few times, and maybe they'll clash again this time. Uh, finally, there is Lord Death. He is in charge of Death City, which is where the DWMA is. He is the Dumbledore of our story. He also uh, is unable to participate in a lot of the conflicts of the story because he has tied his soul to Death City and he's not able to get away. I think he tied it to Death City as a measure to keep the Kishin Asura locked away. But once the Kishin Asura was released anyway, I, I think he just isn't able to undo it. And so it's just kind of bad news bears. He is stuck there and is just kind of overseeing what's going on. They have been looking for all these magic weapons from this guy named Abon that used to be alive way back in the day when Lord Death was young. They recently got a weapon called Brew and they don't know what it does, but they also do know that they can't unlock it. Lord Death's kid, Death the Kid recently got a key that they think can unlock brew but death the kid has been super super suspicious of lord death and what the dwma is doing because they have been hella shady and he is not sure if they should get the key or if they should be able to use magic weapons like brew and that's all going to come out in these episodes too but first we're going to go back to the fight between medusa stein crona maka and marie and see what happens there with episode 45 
All right. So, episode 45 is called Anti-Magic Wavelength Fierce Attack, the Anger-Filled Genie Hunter. Um, this one has, like, four plot points. <laughs> yeah, I actually... I ended up writing just like a quick little summary because I was like doing a bulleted list just didn't make a lot of sense for these episodes. Um, and there are also three pretty distinct plot lines in these episodes. Yes. So the first one is going to be the um, the entirety of the rest of the fight between uh, uh, Maka and uh, uh, Maka, Corona, Stein, Medusa, and Marie. Um, there is a lot of back and forth that's going to happen. This is an uh, additional time if you want to, if you haven't watched this fight, you should take a pause and you should go watch this fight. Um, but before we do that, something else is going to happen in this episode as little cutaways. Um, and that is, uh, we're going to just get brief glimpses of, um, Blackstar just completely housing uh getting into this castle that is supposed to have a bunch of traps to stop him and he's just like nah (laughs) yeah he's flying through them such that he kind of doesn't notice some of them and uh it's because he's too awesome for this world yeah so um he is basically just going to completely blitz through and get into baba yaga's castle um that's not super important for this episode um other than the fact that he gets in and he is not stopped at all um the important thing in this episode is that um there's going to be a a lot of back and forth uh between stein and uh stein and our heroes as well as um uh Medusa is going to start out by being blocked at the beginning of this episode after a ble- brief recap where Marie is just like, here's what happens in the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's trying to strike a killing blow on her kid, Krona, but Maka steps in because Maka actually loves Krona because they're friends, and Medusa has really never seen Krona as anything but a sort of nuisance and a tool. And... uh a tool like something to use, not a tool like a douchebag. Uh, so <laughs> she's perfectly happy with killing Krona because Krona has uh, Krona's sort of indecision, which is Medusa's fault, by the way. Krona is super indecisive and super unable to like get themselves into uncomfortable situations because they had a horrible abusive childhood and that was caused by medusa and now medusa's like i don't like you because you can't do anything for me and it's your own fault medusa so first of all (laughs) there's that but (laughs) medusa's like yeah you know you're no good to me anymore so i'm gonna kill you even though you're my kid because i'm a horrible person and uh maka's not having any of that and they're they're kind of having a standoff i mean they they'll fight each other a little bit but their fight's not going to really kick into high gear because uh we're going to narratively shift over to marie and stein and stein again he he has cracked and so he's kind of dissociated from reality it it seems due to a couple of the cutaways that we get that he is not actually perceiving what's going on around him he's it's kind of like a person having a dream and flailing around in their sleep except that he is conscious but he's just he's just seeing things he's kind of lost in a fugue state and is fighting in the midst of that uh and they they just don't know how to break him out of it and he's super strong right now the heroes are on the back foot and maka appearing kind of helped to even out the playing field a little bit but they are still they're still definitely losing this fight 
Yeah, it's not going well for our heroes. Um, uh, there, there's going to be a couple of times where they're just going to try to break through to Stein. Um, it's going to be working in varying degrees until we we finally get a moment of breakthrough. Um, but before before that happens, though, um, one of one of the biggest one of the biggest losses uh in in this episode i think is the that uh how little maka actually cares about murdering this girl oh yeah she's dead. <laughs> she's like i don't i don't know her she's not my friend i'll kill her if i want to yeah and uh it's a little awkward um it, i i don't know it, i have really mixed feelings on it because like Maka, she, like, the weapons and Meisters at this DWMA, they do kill people, but they tend to only kill people who aren't really people anymore. They've done enough bad stuff that their souls have been corrupted and become demonic, or witches, who are kind of inherently evil for the most part. And uh, regular people, they avoid killing. And so, like, Medusa, she was thought dead, and then she came back to life by inhabiting the body of a young girl. And so, like, if they take her out, this young girl is going to be killed. And I think Maka, I think this is supposed to be, like, she's making the tough decision between can we allow ourselves to do harm to someone innocent, or can we allow a uh somebody that has done this many bad things and is this dangerous to us to survive and she's coming down on we can't allow her to survive because the badness outweighs the badness that i would have to do to beat her is the impression that i got rather than her kind of like completely losing a sense of morality but there's definitely an aspect of berserker rage going on here yeah berserker barrage to be honest (laughs) yeah um the anybody, good news is anybody, that Stein Marvel versus Capcom reference, anybody? <laughs> that game is that game is pretty pretty great. Uh the, the good news is that Stein maybe has a way out of this, and we maybe have a way out of Stein being on the bad guy's side. Which is that uh Marie, even though she is named Marie Mjolnir and her abilities to turn into a hammer, has a healing wavelength for some reason. <laughs> because she's gonna hammer that crazy right out of you yeah she's just gonna she's just gonna beat it out of you you know in in a way that normal people get uh their thoughts and feelings beaten out of their heads Um, yeah you know casual you know like when you're feeling very emotional and the best solution is to just have the shit kicked out of you (laughs) you know that You know what would help me? (laughs) (laughs) So it's not quite like that. She actually just like uh, the characters in the show, they're able to um, basically extend a sort of spiritual energy attack. It's kind of like the Hyoga clan from Naruto uh, or one of the types of Nen from Hunter x Hunter. You can just sort of like extend your energy into another person and uh, we've seen it in the past used as an attack by essentially disrupting the flow of your opponent's energy by by sh- putting yours in there. Uh, Marie has a special ability to heal a person by doing this. And so that's what she does to Stein. And and basically they're able to, to kind of get close enough to him 
to use this ability by double teaming him. And that's it it looks like the heroes are just kind of this is our best shot attack against him, but it's actually a ruse to get her close enough to send this healing wave length in there, and that's enough to snap him out of it. Yeah, and so with Stein out of it, uh, we're able to get a a more, um, well, less super-powered and protected Medusa, um, and, uh, and we are going to see our second time where Genie Hunter is going to come out to play. Yeah, um, Maka it's- is... Is it's motivated going in for what was that? Uh, I was going to say it's motivated partly by uh, by uh, Medusa striking what seems to be a killing blow on Krona. While they're yes. kind of focused on Stein's recovery, their defenses are lowered a little bit, and uh, Medusa uses her arrow powers to um, stab Krona right through the middle of of Krona's chest, and uh, Krona is seems to have been killed by this. Uh, we're going to find out at the end of the fight that Krona's pulse is still there faintly and that they might be able to, to save Krona's life. Yeah, she's she's fine. It's, well, he's, they're fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I usually just say Krona because it's just so confusing. <laughs> yeah, you know who's not fine, though, is uh, Medusa. Um, because Medusa thinks that she has just been forced out of, uh, uh, out of the child's body by Genie Hunter. Um, but it turns out that Genie Hunter can cut directly through her even after she exits from the body. And there is this badass moment where it's just Medusa in front of a pillar, like acting all smug, and then she's just in half. Yeah, they, they do this thing a lot in um, anime where two characters, uh, a character will make a strike and then the character that was struck will react as though the, the attack was a failure and then it will be revealed that the attack actually hit them, often fatally. Uh, and it's a little awkward when you see it a lot and you're like, how do they not know that they've been slashed all the way through? But also it's cool most of the time. And this is one of those cool times also of note. So genie hunter is Maka's super strong ultimate attack. And uh, she, she uses it and slashes out at, at Medusa in the body of this little girl. And again, we're kind of uncomfortable with the fact that the little girl has to be attacked in order to also attack Medusa and Medusa sort of spiritually astral project is forced out of the body of the little girl. And what she thinks has happened is that they have struck the little girl's body in a way that is probably fatal. And that because of the properties of genie hunter that forced the witch's soul out of, of the little girl. And so what has happened is that the girl has been killed and uh, Medusa has now become incorporeal. But Medusa, as a witch, can probably solve that if she can just find another body. What has actually happened is that Genie Hunter has special properties that slash at evil. It's kind of like Magic's Soul Sword in the X-Men. Uh, yeah. She hits magical items uh, with her sword and doesn't hit physical items. In the same way, Genie Hunter seems to hit evil itself rather than physically attacking somebody so what is really happening is that the little girl's totally fine and medusa is killed yeah and you know you know what i was thinking after this is just like well you know all genies are evil especially you know when they get a hold of the lamp and their names are jafar um and it's getting close to the end of the movie um and you have to use your last witch to wish for genie's freedom um 
Exactly. It's exactly like that. You're right. This is a, this is a real Jafar situation. I feel I feel like when you're at the end of those those the sentences that don't make a whole you know complete sense, you should just clear your throat as many times as possible. It's, yeah, you know, doing this podcast, I I notice that both of us have those moments, those like Michael Scott moments, when you're just like, sometimes I start speaking and I don't really know where I'm going, but I just hope that I find it by the time I get to the end. <laughs> yeah yeah real well you know jafar so there you go (laughs) episode 46 (laughs) yeah 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 making a lot of jafar references today yeah um wonder if that'll show up in the title of this episode or not Anyways, Medusa's defeated, and that takes us into episode 46. Episode 46 is Warrior or Slaughter, Showdown Mifune versus Blackstar. Um, this one is uh, another battle between Mifune and Blackstar. It's great. Yeah. Um, and that's all uh, I have to say about that. It's Yeah, it is mostly fighting, and uh, as has been covered many times on this podcast, including earlier in this very episode... Uh, we usually don't go into huge detail about the fights unless the sort of moves are, I don't know, important plot-wise or if they just really hit us. And I would say for me, this is a good fight, but it's a good visual fight. It's not going to make good radio, so I don't want to go too much into it. Yeah, Basically... It's- Huh? Uh, it's one of those it's another one of those ones where it's just like go watch it <laughs> like <laughs> yeah which uh, you know that's the thing about doing a podcast about shonen anime is that sometimes the only solution is that you should just watch it yourself and uh our podcast is nominal nominally uh in an alternative to watching and you know i i mean honestly like most people listening probably have seen these things and are just kind of enjoying reliving them and uh that's probably the secret true purpose of the podcast but like there should be listeners that can listen to this and not have to watch um you should watch this but uh if you don't and haven't and aren't going to essentially black star and mifune fight black star is a ninja uh he's going to use the shadow sword technique he picked up from subaki's family uh, Mifune is a samurai. He's going to use all the all the swords. And Blackstar is losing the fight pretty badly. Mifune is going to say some shit about how Blackstar uh, kind of inherited a bloodlust that's going to work against him. And it uh, turns out that Mifune met Blackstar's father, which is a dude named White Star. And uh, we've heard of White Star, but we haven't really seen him before. In, yeah, in there's show. a lot of times where they like they they bring up Black Star's past, and I'm just like, where's that show? Like, where is old uh, old Soul Eater? Where I can just watch the the excursions of the White Star, um, and you know the the different the different Star Clan uh, people. I I also want to watch the show about Death Scythe and his bunch of friends that are going to go murder the you know the murder squad friends yeah i want to watch that (laughs) i wonder if this shows up more in the manga and if this is like why we need a brotherhood situation with soul eater um because these are both really interesting story threads and they've both been alluded to and maybe maybe to a lesser extent the the past with lord death and asura before well as asura was, was becoming a horrible monster 
But like that that would make a good story. But you know, you could see that being like this is the past and we've we've alluded to it and we've kind of like told the parts of the story that you need to know. But with White Star, it's like there's something here. There's like a full story that we don't know. And they do get into it a little bit. Uh, and basically Mifune ran across White Star while they were working in the same area. And White Star is uh sort of a jackass. He he's he uh he seems to have decided that killing is its own reward, and he is on the track to becoming n- no longer human because he keeps killing people and doing bad things. And uh, we don't see much of this. Like they, White Star and Mifune kind of have a conversation in which they disagree in the past, but I don't think they fight each other, and I don't think much comes of it. And essentially, what's important to the story here is that. Mifune is under the impression that because Black Star is White Star's son, and because the the rest of the Star Clan have been kind of evil assassins, that Black Star is sort of genetically predisposed to evil. And yeah, one of the uh, things that gets me inside of inside of anime and other other shows where they just assume that evil is like hereditary, and I'm like. Yeah. It's really not. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a. I don't think that evilness is hereditary, and I, I think that it is a little, it is a little insulting, you know, to to people that they they can't, you know, make decisions throughout their lives, right? To yeah, to like, choose, like it's that long, nature versus nurture sort of thing. Yeah, I was gonna say nature versus nurture. Like, long story short, in the real world, evil is not hereditary. But, you know, uh, there can be people who live lives that are so disconnected as to to make them evil or, you know, like there's there's the idea that like people who have been abused are more likely to abuse than people who haven't. And it's it's just the the way that the human mind can be warped. Uh, But that is a nurture question. And it's you know, it's not the fact that like they're their parent was evil and so they are too it's that they were exposed to bad stuff and sometimes humans react to the exposure to bad stuff by also doing bad stuff because we just don't know a better way to do it and because we are flawed creatures but uh anime definitely tends to take a sort of more more mystical or more deterministic view of that where it's like you're inheriting the traits of your past and i think some of that is also tied up with uh, I th- I think uh, Japanese culture, from what I have gleaned from years of watching anime, has a different relationship with mysticism than we in the West tend to, uh, and with sort of faint and determinism and stuff like that. But also, I think the the Japanese culture has a sort of picking up where your where your parents left off vibe to it and there there is more of a focus on like the family business and the family tradition and having that be like a bigger part of more people's lives and so i think maybe it comes from that but it's definitely given a mystical bent in a lot of anime and definitely here um also there is a horrible zebra deer moose demon thing uh that lives inside of black star question mark yeah Um, it's you know every time every time uh uh i, w- I was gonna make a oh god it's like a were you gonna make a it's a wonderful wings. life reference 
How does I was that say, it was like something get its gets its wings, but I couldn't think of the quote. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I was in this. I was in this. It's every time. Uh, every time. Uh, oh God, I didn't say the line though. My daughter said it, and I don't remember. <laughs> every time uh, something sings, <laughs> gets its wings. I don't know. We're doing every a bad job. I was in this show. Why don't I know this line? <laughs> every th- every time something sings, uh, it wings. <laughs> it was the last show. It was the last line of the show, and everybody in the audience was like, "Ah," because this like cute little girl would say it, and uh, I don't remember it. I, I was <laughs> too busy acting. <laughs> uh, I do yeah, remember so- fighting that kid though. So anyway, that shit, but for demon zebra mooses. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same. It's the same it's thing. The, the same. circle of life. <laughs> it moves us all. Um, but if you are on the Serengeti and you see a demon zebra deer, uh, do not go near it. <laughs> Don't. So this this is kind of reminiscent of the red demon that lives inside of Soul's body and wants him to play piano a lot. <laughs> which sounds like a non sequitur and also not that bad but is kind of i guess uh <laughs> so black star is taught basically the deer zebra or the moose zebra demon seems to want black star to accept that black star is going to be evil in exchange for power and mifane in the real world is also suggesting that black star will do bad things in order to get power. But Blackstar's superpower is that he is full of himself completely and doesn't want undue help because he thinks too highly of himself to accept it. And so basically the combination of him being against the ropes and Mifane saying that he is too weak to succeed without giving in to the evil destiny that he has inherited from his family and the moose zebra demon saying kind of the same shit in a different way black star rejects all of this and is like i am too awesome for all of you and i will win because of how awesome i am and then he does (laughs) don't you know me So, uh, yeah, it's a little hard to follow, um, especially because you're not seeing it. And so, you know, for our listeners that tend not to watch these things, one, if you've made it this far and you haven't started watching Soul Eater, why are you okay? Two, that's mostly what happens, but it will make a lot of more sense if you watch it. And also because the show does not go off on wild tangents about It's a Wonderful Life like we do. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> also, the director of that show is one of our Patreon backers and is going to hear this and is probably going to be very disappointed in me that I can't remember that line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Nancy. Anyways, um, so uh, the last episode that we're going to cover, um, uh, because I'm, I'm pretty sure we got to the very end of it, um, 
Oh, he beats Mifune. Did we mention that? Oh, I, yeah. I forgot where we were after that tangent. <laughs> yeah, he does. And that's basically the whole episode is basically just a, a focus on their fight. And you get a little backstory about Blackstar's dad. And you get a little internal struggle. It's it's a full... It, the, the story is like a self-contained arc. Like, you can watch it by itself. It's totally fine. Yeah. Okay. The last episode we're covering today is episode 47, The Mirac- Miraculous Coffee Table Flip, Fly Our Death City Robot. Um, this episode is all about how Ebon is interesting, but not super interesting. Um, he He's going to be like, uh, I've arrived back because you brought me this key. Um, yeah, and, and the key is actually like... A horcrux for him or something yeah that's what i that's what i said i was yeah. like i was watching that and i was just like oh it's his cursed object yeah it's more of a like a lich situation but without the badness but that's what the horcruxes are like okay here's the deal a lich is a person who makes themselves undead by tethering their soul to an object and I didn't know about liches until I played Magic, and they did liches. And I was like, what's that? It's cool. That's interesting. Then I was like, oh, that's what Voldemort is. And a Horcrux <laughs> is just the lich's phylactery, which is the name of the thing you put your soul in, except the Horcruxes have a different name, and I think largely because they broke it up into seven to uh, twist the lich thing on its head. But they never call him a lich, but that's what he is. And uh, it's pretty interesting. And that's kind of what Avon's done here, but uh, he's not a villain. He's just tied his soul to this thing. And that's because he himself is the key to unlocking Brew. Yeah, I'm going to throw it out there that uh, somebody, maybe somebody's favorite author out there, may have played some Magic the Gathering. Could be. (laughs) Just going to say. um, A wild thought about that. Anyways, um, so uh, 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 the other thing that's going to happen inside of this episode, which is maybe maybe one of my favorite moments of this, is when uh, arachnophobia is just like they're like, all right, uh, I think we're I think we're okay. We're we're away. They can't come get us. And then they like turn around and they're like, oh shit! And death like death has just turned the city into a giant mech and it's coming after them. Yeah, the thing is, Brew's magical power is to grant its user what they want the most. And Lord Death is tethered to the city. And what he wants is to be able to be in the action. And really, what he should have wanted was to not be tethered to Death City anymore. (laughs) I thought the same thing! I was just like, I was just like, hold on. He's that guy that, like, wishes for the wrong thing. Uh Or, like, when when you have a, when you have, like, uh, you know, a monkey's paw situation, and you're just like, you know, I want a million dollars, but they give it to you in pennies, and it also falls on your head from the ceiling. It's just one of those things where it's just, like, (sighs) phrasing... I do. I will say that I actually really like this because I think it's realistic in an interesting way, which is that, like, the problem is there's a battle going on. Lord Death is very strong. And if he were able to be in the battle, that could be the deciding factor. It would also help him not have to put all of his charges at risk. So it's important to him that he be involved. But he's tied to Death City, so he can't be involved. The solution to this is to untether him from Death City so that he can move about freely. If it weren't for the battle taking place right now, and he had been able to unlock Brew earlier, 
he would probably have been untethered from Death City. But because the problem of him being tied to the city is being focused on the fact that there's a fight right now that he can't be part of, the problem of being tied to Death City has been warped into a more immediate version of that problem, which is, I can't be involved in this, and I wish I could be. And as such, Brew reacts, I think, to his greatest current desire, which is that me being tied to Death City makes me unable to participate in this fight right now. And Brew is like, well, I can get you in this fight. <laughs> and solves that problem instead of the larger issue, which is definitely the correct way to go. Like, if yeah. this were him wishing on the genie from Aladdin from earlier, if this were another Jafar situation, he would probably <laughs> wish to be untethered if he could stop and think about it for a moment. Mm. But Brew is reacting to his deepest desire. Yeah. And so it's solving the more immediate problem because that's what's on his mind. And I like yeah. that. Okay, sure. That being Just said, agree with me. Death Death City is going to chase down uh, uh, Arachnophobia to Baba Yaga's castle. Um, <laughs> it's also is- a ratchet-ass mech. I love it so much. <laughs> Anyways... <laughs> It has Lord Death's big square hands, and it has these, like, Lord Death mask shoulder pads, and (laughs) they made the mech, but the mech, so, like, the the sort of, like, upper chest shoulder area is the city torn up out of the ground, and then there's just this, like, long, thin stretch of earth that leads to these you know, like hips and feet that were made so that the mech could walk around. But it make it means that the mech is really tall and really thin and as such is really bad at holding itself up. Yeah. And so, so the death mask shoulder pads as it walks. <laughs> yeah, the death mask shoulder pads are jetpacks that keep it upright. <laughs> like they made a mech so that it could walk around, but they made the worst mech. Yeah. Okay, so this mech is going to uh, run towards uh, Baba Yaga's castle. Um, It's going to be uh, tethered and slowed down by a whole bunch of electrified uh, spiderweb strings that are put out there by Mosquito. Yeah, Arachnophobia's Um, castle is a Galvantula. Yeah, it is. It is going to be. It is going to be tripped and fall forward, but not before finger in the hell out of Baba Yaga's castle. Oh, you said that <laughs> shit right now. Come on. <laughs> Usually, I'm the one that makes those jokes. Okay, it just like it slams into the side of it. We get uh, our our first. Uh, I'm your I'm your opponent now. Um, between Asura and the big giant Death City. Um, so that is going to take us into basically the last coverage that we have of this show. Yeah, the, um, the end. Do you game have anything else you want to go over? Uh. I guess it's important to note that at the end of the episode, they they finger Baba Yaga's castle so hard that they pull Asura out of it. And then (laughs) the Death City mech literally opens up a mouth and eats him. Yep. So he's been at. And uh, if you have never seen an anime before, or uh, maybe even any show that has a sort of cliffhanger, oh, I guess they just beat the villain moment, then you might be like, oh, I guess they just beat the villain. But of course they didn't. There's four more episodes. Uh, also earlier before they turn the city into a mech death, the kid is like, I haven't been trusting you guys. And they're like, ah, 
We noticed that, and the reason is that we weren't telling you what was going on because we were worried that somehow the enemy would find out. And they don't say that they were worried that he was working for the enemy, but they do imply that other people could have been spies, and now they're in the end game, so they don't have to be so secretive anymore. But, like, we've spent, like, six, ten episodes, something like that, with Death the Kid, his whole plot was I'm suspicious of what my dad and the DWMA organization that he runs is doing because they're being shady. And it turns out the reason they were being shady was just an abundance of caution. And I was a little bummed about that. But uh, then they turned the city into a mech and that was hilarious. So it was kind of okay. Uh, (laughs) My last thing is that uh, table flipping is apparently a big deal in Japanese culture because this is not the first time it's come up. And when I used to live in San Francisco, there's a place in San Francisco called Japantown, which you should go to. It's really fun. It's basically a big mall where you can do a lot of shopping for different Japanese stuff. Uh, if I lived there now, it would be a great place to go and get stuff for our patrons because there's just all kinds of anime shit. Um, and uh, there is a little Japanese arcade, and one of the games in the Japanese arcade is a table flip game. And you literally, there's a table, uh, like a plastic table on hinges, and the point of the game is to flip it. And it's kind of like one of those, like, punching bag or, like, you know, see how high you can hammer the the thing fair games except for a table flip and it's really funny see how hammer you can table no see how high you can hammer the thing you know at the fair and there's the little Uh, tower i know what you're talking about the the strength tester where you take a hammer and you hit it onto a plunger and then the plunger puts air pressure underneath a little thing that is inside of there and it goes up until you see how hard you hit it and sometimes it rings yeah. the bell, but it never did when I was a kid, and I got really mad at it. Look, <laughs> shut up. But okay, so the table flip game, so it's got like a screen in front of it, and you're the point of the game is that you're supposed to be angry until you flip a table. And so it takes like 10 or 20 seconds or something each each play or each round or whatever. And part of the game before you flip the table is that you're supposed to slap the table at specific moments to become angrier. And then in a fit of rage, you flip it at the end. And then the like <laughs> screen shows the table flipping through things and like knocking people over and shit. It's hilarious. Well, uh, I'm just speaking in, in quality terms here, but that's that sounds like quality. Anyways, it is. Um, stick with us after these credits and we'll be back uh, after that. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With sound editing done by Rashad English of Plain English Productions. He's our level six sound wizard. Level up. Our podcast is ad free and we want to keep it that way. If you want to keep it that way too, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at BNS Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every Sunday. On iTunes. Google Play. Stitcher. Buzzsprout. Or wherever you get your podcast from. And hey, thanks for listening. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Naruto Shippuden episodes 1 through 6. Yeah, we are going to be back for season two of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. And uh, between that... After a short season one of 143 episodes. 
Look, I was going to say that we are going to go on a uh, a brief six-month hiatus uh, so that people will know that there is a clear delineation between seasons, but uh, screw that. We'll be back next week. 